Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Sorry, I stumbled on your name at the end. <laughs> I was like Meredith Kyle. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here for checking out the uh, the episode. Uh, I do hope you hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the entire series. You'll get three brand new interviews sent to you every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday makes it a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones. All the usual places, including Spotify, Apple Podcast, and NPR, WFBK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Some of my recent guests have included Neck Deep, uh, talked with uh, actor Michael Shannon about covering REM. Uh, Slater Kinney dropped in to talk about their newest record. Jack Antonoff, the super producer behind Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey and Lord, he joined us to discuss his uh, latest album with his band Bleachers. We had Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who himself, here. Uh, let's see, McKenna Grace, you know her from the uh, new Ghostbusters movies, among many other things. Uh, she's got new music. We also talked with Janelle Monet, Andy Taylor of Duran Duran, Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age, Dolly Parton. Just an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast. And that's me, Kyle Meredith, today catching up with Bill Janovitz of Buffalo Tom. They are back with a uh, brand new record. It's their 10th called Jump Rope. It's their first since 2018. And we're going to, let's see, we're going to discuss what it takes to get the band back in the studio after over 35 years uh, into their career. Uh, The drive to continue to make new music, uh, how the pandemic informed the LP by making it more acoustic driven, and the 60s feel that came as a bit of a byproduct of that. Bill's also going to touch on the uh, political undercurrents behind the lead single, Helmet, how comedy tends to age much more poorly than uh, music given time. Uh, If the Leon Russell biography he released in 2023 had any effect on his writing, and he'll let us know that he's currently working on a biography of the cars with the surviving members. All that and more as we talk Jump Rope. It's Kyle Meredith with Bill Janovitz of Buffalo Tom. Hi. It's great to see you back. It's great to hear that the band is back. I've been keeping up with you, and I know you've been busy, and I want to talk about some of the other stuff you've been doing with the, uh, the biographies. But but now that it's been a handful of years, once again, that's that's sort of the story usually for a, a Buffalo Tom record, a handful of years. What does it take to get the band back together these days? Uh, you know, we're at a point in our lives where we're, we're each few years is a different point in our lives. I think I think things are starting to, you know, it's all been sort of family related mostly. So I think that's all starting to um 
be less of an issue as our kids are now young adults, basically, you know. Um, but we also had the added, as everybody did, uh, uh, disruption of, of the pandemic. I think we actually were on track to do another record much in a, in a much shorter period of time, uh, you know, intervening time than we had between the previous two records. I mean, we were sort of had a little bit of momentum going. And, uh, but, you know, it allowed us to sort of just take another breather. <laughs> and uh, uh, we were sending around different song ideas from home. Um, and uh, uh, that, that actually sort of dictated the tone of the record in, in more ways than one. But um, that, that explains the time kind of thing. It's always interesting to me anytime, especially when you've got a band, you know, so again, you have individual human beings living their very individual lives and, and, and the draw, the things that we were interested in as kids isn't always the things that we're interested in as adults. So to find that you can bring these people back together that any band can, but you know, specifically you guys for the moment here, I mean, that's always impressive. What drives you to still make new music? Like, how? why does that still have to be a part of it? Which, by the way, as a greedy fan, of course, we want and we want and we ask for. But on your side, what like, what is it for you? We're all creators, you know, I mean, creatives. We we um, we we feel the need to to we're compelled. I mean, it's the same. It's the same drive from when we were younger. I mean, the themes are slightly different uh, that, that show up in the work. But, you know, there's. There's this built-in thing uh, with Buffalo Tom with any band. There's a chemistry. It's like what did it, what attracted you to to this these people and this combination of people to begin with, and that in and of itself is like something that that it's like a template or whatever. It's like something that's built. It's it, you're it's built there already. So you plug and play. And with Buffalo Tom, it's relatively easy. I mean, nothing is very easy. There's a it's in a democracy, uh, uh, you know, making art by committee in a lot of ways can be can be challenging, but it's also like the rewards uh, outweigh the any negatives. And it's this, like I said, it's like putting on an old shoe or something. You know, you, you the, the band is there, so it, it it you sort of feed it. But you know, we do check in with each other at you know when it's when we start to feel like all right. Well, I feel like it might be time for a new record, but the other guys might not. You know, or Depend, not only logistically what's going on in their lives, but do they feel compelled to get in the studio and dedicate all this energy to creating something, you know, and it, it takes a lot of energy. And as you get older, it takes more energy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel like I have to write as much as I used to. I mean, I used to just when we when we were really going in that like 90s touring and recording writing cycle i always was writing and that's less the case now it's like i i i know when it's coming and like a lot of artists especially songwriters they they can put a guitar away and not write a song for a long time it's kind of the same with me it's like uh i'll i'll just all of a sudden feel like oh i know that if i pick up the guitar today some idea will come. Whereas like there'll, there'll be months where that doesn't feel like that, you know? Do you find that there's still, like, is there a story to this album? Does that still kind of happen in that same way? Um, you mean like a, a, a concept or, or or just? Not a con, you know, there's, I, you know, the stones go to France and uh, and there's, there's your story, you know, it, it, there's always some kind of hook to it. I mean, does that still exist in these these sort of moments? Yeah, I mean, not always with us, but in this, really, like I said earlier, um, 
the pandemic sort of informed this record in, in more ways than one. <clears throat> Number one was the surface of it. So we, like I said, we rarely, well, I'm not sure if I said this yet, but we, we, we don't, we rarely go in with a concept or an approach in mind. It's more like <laughs> simple logistical stuff like uh, Dave Minahan, let's use Dave Minahan in his studio. He, cause he's one town away from me. So, uh, and, and, and all the guys are, are really close by and we love Dave. So, and we love his studio, so why not do that? That's what we're going to do. <clears throat> um, but, you know, as we get older, our hearing is more and more challenged. Uh, you know, tinnitus is, a, is an ever-present thing for all of us. And with the songs that we were writing during the pandemic, I mean, Chris and I always, pretty much always write on acoustic guitars, and we present stuff in an acoustic way. Now, Tom, being the one that's not necessarily bringing in song ideas, um, really kind of detected a theme among uh, within a lot of these songs, which was that not only were they presented acoustically, but they they sounded like um, they were acoustic in tone and they wanted to remain acoustic in tone. So, you know, uh, I, I think that's, we went in going, okay, let's make this sort of an acoustic record. Uh, you know, let's really kind of keep it stripped down, almost like maybe a campfire type approach. But one thing led to another. We started putting on more guitars. It probably just ends up sounding like a Buffalo Tom record at the end of the day. But, you know, it was almost like our, what is it? What's the REM record? Fables of Fables Reconstruction. Of Reconstruction. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear that too. And especially, you know, listening in headphones as opposed to, you know, I listen to a little bit in the car. Etc. But when you get in there and you hear the acoustics, maybe it's because I I knew about that a little bit, you know, reading about it. But you really do hear that sort of take center stage in a way. And then maybe it was that that you know I, I started thinking about the the harmonies in terms of more of the '60s, you know. Then there was that little because now now we're in a, a bit of a jingle world, right? And like, yeah. So when you talk about informing, like I did hear that, I, I heard that as a bit more of a 60s influence record than maybe maybe a 70s or something like that that you would have done in the past. I mean, did you did you hear that? Did you notice anything like that as you were going along? Yeah, that's a, it's a good observation. I mean, there are certain songs where we kind of took the Brian Jones and Rolling Stones approach. I mean, particularly Chris's songs. And maybe it's just me being the outsider coming to the songs that Chris wrote, uh, whereas I'm less... Um, objective in my own songs, of course. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt uh, autumnal 60s kind of, you know, like aftermath kind of Stones record, but also uh, very folky here and there. I mean, we've always been sort of folky because we tend to write on, like I said, acoustic guitars and they, they we use a lot of big, because it's a power trio, you know, quote unquote, it's a, I should say it's a trio. Um, I feel the need as a guitar player to fill up a lot of space and for a guitar player that that means one guitar player is, is has to fill up a lot of space so big open ringing chords you know I, I i took that approach probably from uh certainly neil young but he's got usually has another guitar player with about pete townsend you know uh you can have these big power chords but they're really just a g you know in, in the in, uh, down on the, on the on the first position of the neck so um I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I, yeah, I, 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 and I think the autumnal uh, tone of it was also informed by whatever um, 
interior sort of uh, introspective uh, and melancholy feelings of the pandemic, of being home, lonely, um, concerned about what was going on in the world and our families and and things like that. I think that's I think that's where the th- lyrical themes come in. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies. Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Bill Janovitz of Buffalo Tom. You hold no punches from the beginning with uh, with helmets. There's a, there's a damaged captain at the wheel. We're going to need a mutiny to turn this ride around. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on your mind, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's still in my mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, that... You know, a lot of my songs, uh, you, you're just kind of filling in. You're just filling in. Uh, I, like I don't, I don't come. I don't, I don't. I'm not one of those songwriters that starts with a lyric. I start with my with the music, and so you're kind of verbalizing things. And uh, I don't, I don't know how that one started to come. Um, but when we were college kids, uh, not necessarily Buffalo Tom, but we did form in college. But you know, friends of mine, we you'd just be trying to make each other laugh with stupid things, especially in the more bong hits you did. And uh, one of them was, uh, you know, it's a takeoff on the old uh, adventure movies or, or um, whatever kind of movies where it's like, put your seatbelts on, we're going through hell here or something like that. So it started with that kind of joke. Uh, and, it, and it is still light, it, it, but it's also very, you know, it's deadly serious as well. We can draw our own conclusions. And uh, I quickly drew mine. It's hard not to when you think about, oh, when would he have written this? And who was the supposed captain at the wheel? Uh, yeah. Things start to line up and fall in place. That's it. I mean, you know, then then 
then whether or not you're doing it lighthearted, you're making a big statement right from the beginning. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, you're the first person to actually draw that line. I mean, I haven't talked to, I, I'm not sure if I've talked to anybody yet about this record, except from the people that are we're working with. And, you know, people want you to put a meaning on a song and, and especially with political uh, messages, which is certainly an undercurrent, if not an overcurrent here. Um, I just don't want them to become about one thing or dated because most of my songs are, are way more vague. This one is riding a metaphor to its death, I think. Uh, so, um, but yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, how do you write about something like the what we've been through all, all these years with he who shall, shall not be named? I mean, how do you write it um, where it's just this crazy thing that we would never think we would be in you know uh the situation that you know when i was a kid growing up on long island you know trump was everywhere it's like just i just still can't i just still can't believe that we're still dealing with this guy on this level it's it's just absolute insanity to me and i think that's that's certainly hinted at in the song i hope that doesn't ruin it for anybody, but I, I think it could all be about a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's done so nicely. It's like you were kind of saying, and and you know, and uh, all the great ones were even, you know, somehow even today we're able to sing Ohio from Neil Young, even right. though it's very specific. You know, you can have that specific and still be timeless. And and then, yeah, I do think this one's cloaked enough. And and you know, that you know, it's still hard not then to look at some of the other songs and, and try to find those, like you get to our poverty. Which um, I, I wish I'd written down some of the lines. I didn't write the lines down in the same way I did with Helmet, but it feels like some of the best lyrics. Oh, yeah, our poverty. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to um, articulate any kind of particular specific meaning out of it. I mean, that's more of like automatic writing, I think. You know, it's it's that's something where sometimes the songs just write themselves in a lot of ways, um, musically and lyrically. And I, I, I'm not sure if that's completely the case. It's not like I just wrote the lyrics um, uh, spontaneously while I was writing the music, although that, you know, that has happened a few times, but not, not so much in this case. I think a lot of it came that way, but inventive in our pro poverty is uh, something I, I think I had written down. Um, and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not dealing with poverty, so I, I, it's not a personal song. You know, it's my favorite quote about songwriting, I think it's from Richard Thompson, where he says, the views of the singer are not necessarily those of the songwriter, you know, and that's 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 something that people take for granted when somebody's writing fiction. But when somebody's writing a song, for some reason, I think the person singing it is is and, and who wrote it is it's about it's about them. It's autobiographical, biographical, which is not. Not the case. Well, the, the the lyrics, I do remember really loving that. And then feeling like I kept thinking about John Hyatt, the way you were sounding on that song, you know, the way everybody was sounding on it. So there's something very much about that. Not that that's a question, just one of those thoughts that came to me while I was listening to it. It's like, oh, man, this is a I can hear John Hyatt doing this. It's Yeah, John, uh, we, you know, it's funny. We used to get compared to John Hyatt a little, even earlier in our career. And I don't really know John Hyatt very well. I mean, I, I know it. Uh, I know a lot of his work, but um, it's not like I'm a super fan or anything, but I, I, I do respect him enormously. And it's that singer-songwriter, sort of post-Bob Dylan kind of singer-songwriter, post-Laurel Canyon, 
you know, a little bit of uh, Warren Zevon type songwriting as well. I mean, Warren's wit was way more sardonic, but you know, John Prine, those New Dylan guys uh, of the of the early mid seventies, um, and also Springsteen. I mean, you know, he's another guy that um, another writer who I respect enormously, of course. But I, I, as far as fandom goes, I've only seen one Springsteen show. But my favorite Springsteen is that guy with the guitar songwriter nebraska type stuff you know and i love warren zane's new book about that that that's my springsteen it's like it's not the big bombastic springsteen although obviously that's fun <laughs> but it's the it's that guy alone in a room kind of thing with a guitar and we'll be right back right after this welcome back it's kyle meredith with bill janovitz of buffalo tom i was actually uh you know perusing your socials and everything and i ran across something you had written uh, in context of something else, because you writ you wrote uh, comedy plus time equals tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And I started thinking about that more in the context of music. How it's it's not the case always in music that it's not tragedy. It's almost the opposite sometimes. Because I think you're you were also talking about um, one of your kids really enjoying "Horse with No Name" from America, and I thought <laughs> because that's true. These songs that we demonize in the moment for whatever reason if you just give them time they all become good you know it's <laughs> well you can look at this in many ways yeah I, I, I that's a it's an interesting can of worms i was playing poker with some friends last night and uh our poker games are really just excuses to sit around and drink beer and listen to music and stuff and um we were talking about Al Stewart, and uh, I think I just started singing Time Passages for no reason. For some reason, something prompted me. And then we had this big discussion about Al Stewart and about, and about you know, everybody at the table, except for me, was like vehemently uh, opposed to anything Al Stewart ever did. And I thought, you know, those songs have really grown on me. I mean, I, I, see, I see the same things in them that I made fun of when I was a kid, you know, this, this kind of elfin voice guy, you know, writing these very earnest lyrics that are about mysterious women or whatever. Uh, Year of the Cat. But now I listen to Year of the Cat unironically and enjoy it. Horse with no name, I still can't even. I just can't even. But I love America's stuff. I mean, I love Ventura Highway and Sister Goldenhair. But it's funny what our kids kind of open up. And, uh, you know, they take the stuff that we love. They're like, what? You know, you can't listen to bitch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then horse with no name apparently is fine <laughs> but i think with the I, I mean my i was being very uh uh trite or i'm not even sure if that's the word with that with that little aphorism that uh it was a, a thread i think so but it's interesting with the kids thing that you're bringing up like comedy plus time equals tragedy is obviously turning around the that little equation um the famous equation but for me it's about like can my kids list, Can my kids watch Lost in America by Albert Brooks with the same and enjoy it? The answer is no. It's like comedy was, you know, comedy gets old fast, I guess is what I should say. You know, certain things like I, I could not imagine putting on Eddie Murphy things for my kids right now. But that was like the, the epitome of comedy for us back then. And was hilarious. We were my wife and I were watching Strangers of Candy. I don't know if you ever watched that one, you know. And I, that's one of those I hadn't revisited at least 20 years. And my son, he's 16. And, you know, we, and, and we watch some old stuff occasionally, but that's one of those where I was like, oh my God, how would, 
like you know they're they're saying words that we do not go near as a whole episode you know it's <laughs> and i was like man this and and you have you know respectable people of course you know uh, colbert is on there and everything it's just like it, that's a time and place yeah. and how do you explain that to your kid like yeah that was different <laughs> yeah i think our well, my, mine are now 19 and 24 so they've already gone through their own round of people that have that they liked that are now canceled or whatever else i mean you know the canceling is happening at a much faster clip and uh but i, I mean geez I, yeah i couldn't imagine putting on richard pryor or cheech i mean cheech and chong maybe they would dig because they're both they're a stoner humor <laughs> guy stays the same it's uh it's, yeah <laughs> um you know, I, I will quickly quickly bring up. You know, it's sort of in the same context of this because you know you you are a historian. You know, you you dig and you dig <laughs> and and you become a biographer. It seems more these days than you know just a musician. Uh, and with the uh, the latest one being the Leon Russell book last year, when you were so engulfed in that, do you find that that then affects anything that you're doing musically? The songwriting, this album, are those breadcrumbs there as well? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I mean, Leon Russell. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if anything is directed. It's not like all of a sudden I wanted somebody that can really pound out a piano like that um, or necessarily write such either big sort of gospel infused stuff or like these. I mean, something like A Song for You is such a timeless song. I mean, it's, I, I knew these songs, though, so I, I don't know that that it did, uh, but 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 learning to me the writing is is not you know it's it's uh, the benefit of to me is that I, I'm I'm writing because I'm compelled to find out more about this stuff and telling the story is just kind of reporting what I find you know for my for my own edification really you know I don't I don't look at it as like I need to inform the world of something but it's more of like oh, I want to go deep into this thing and I might as well make a project out of it while, while I'm doing so. Uh, which is why I do relatively few books because uh, I, I'm, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and energy, obviously, to do something like this. So uh, you, you kind of got to make it worth worth the time and effort. And um, I mean, this is another benefit. I'm not sure if this is the right word, but it's another byproduct anyway of, of the pandemic is that I I went into the I went into the pandemic with the project before I before the pandemic was sort of happening, but uh, uh, I, I looked at the I looked at the the being home sort of lockdown thing. It's like oh no, I'm not going to be able to travel and go meet these people. But all of a sudden, everybody was used to doing these sorts of Zoom calls, so everybody was home. I mean, I got to talk to 138 people or something like that. Among them, Clapton, Elton John, Bruce Springsteen. Willie Nelson. I mean, it was, it was incredible. So, and I really do think that was the byproduct of a lot of people just being, having to stay put really. So, and, and, and then it gave me all this time to, to, to devote to the actual research and writing of it. Yeah. And now you're doing one for the cars. Yeah. I'm working on one for the cars. Uh, and this is different, way different, a very, very different act, of course, every different artist. But I'm also dealing uh, directly uh, with the three surviving members, which is which is very different than writing a biography piece of a, of, a, of somebody that's passed from voices in his life uh, in that person's life. Here, I'm I'm I am dealing with a little bit of that because two of the the members have have passed on, the two you know sort of frontmen, Rick and Ben. But uh, it's great to deal with uh, to to work with Elliot uh, Easton, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. 
David Robinson, a founding member of Modern Lovers and, and the Cars, and Greg Hawks, who's just a charming, uh, he's the Simpson keyboard player who lives a town away from me as well. So um, it's a really nice thing to be able to call up these guys and say, hey, let's go get lunch, you know? I can't. I'm, I'm such a fan of that band too. I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing this when it when it eventually makes its way out there. So it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll yeah. Be there soon. Uh, in the meantime, I'm so happy that there's a new Buffalo Tom album with Jump Rope, and I love this so much. This music that you all continue to do, Bill. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk about it today. It's been a real pleasure, man. All right. Take care, Kyle. And my thanks to Bill. The new Buffalo Tom album is called Jump Rope. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button before you leave. Uh, You get three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover the new ones. Spotify, Apple Podcast, NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And don't forget to leave uh, a rating and a review. Those are the two things, again, that uh, go so far in helping a podcast like this grow. Subscribe, rating, review. That's your that's your uh, holy trinity of podcasts right there. After you do all that, head over to WFPK.org. It's right to a show Monday through Friday. Starting at 6 p.m. Eastern, you get uh, the best in new music. There's lots of classics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, there's uh, music news, bonus interviews as well. One of my recent episodes, let's see, featured the music of Nina Simone, The Specials, Counting Crows, The Doors, Pretenders, Bruce Springsteen, Joan Shelley, Pearl Jam, Slow Pulp, Devo, Lou Reed, Sheryl Crow, Amy Mann, The Beatles, Kurt Vile, Tom Waits, Echo and the Bunnymen, Noel Gallagher, uh, Brittany Howard, Ratbag, Shelby Lynn, Grace Potter, Third Eye Blind, Radiohead, and my interview with uh, Robbie Krieger of The Doors. Just an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media sites. The address is always the same. It's at Kyle Meredith. So do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.